Hello, everybody. Welcome to this conference podcast. It feels so good to be back. It has been a while. It's been roughly six months since I did my last podcast on depression. Um, yeah, I've been very busy, very, very busy indeed. A lot going on in university, new work life. I work in mental health now, so this is good. This is exactly where I need to be. The universe is aligning. Um, currently recording in... Currently, there is the COVID-19 pandemic that's happening, and these are uncertain times. Yeah, there's a lot going on, um, and I'm, I'm not really sure what's going on. Um, I'm concerned, a little bit frightened, but hoping that eventually things will, will be okay. Um, you've all heard the general guidelines, the rules, wash your hands, self-isolate, social distance. Um, if you show any signs of being ill, please keep yourself to yourself. Seven days, 14 days, whatever is necessary. Um, but yeah, just everyone try and be, if you're not being already, understanding, empathetic, supportive to those around you. This is a very tough time and we can't make it through this without doing it together. Today's podcast is very much a... It's a psychology-based one, and it's about biases and heuristics, uh, and, and ultimately, I will get into what those are. They're, they're kind of um, little mental models and shortcuts that our brain uses when we have to exert energy on, on problem-solving, and sometimes w the bottom line is, is that our brains are lazy and flawed sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. So get ready. Biases and heuristics. Here we go. So at some point last year, I was watching Chernobyl's, uh, HBO's Chernobyl series. And what fascinated me at the moment of the nuclear disaster, the nuclear reaction failure, was the lack of rationality and coherent decision making in the, in the night that it happened. And, and I think they depicted it quite well. And I don't know how accurate that that scene was, but it was still quite illuminating. And in summary, for those that don't know, the Chernobyl accident in 1986 was the result of a flawed reactor design that operated inadequately uh, with inadequate trained personnel. Um, the result, there was a huge nuclear, yeah, huge nuclear steam explosion uh, and fires were released and at least 5% of the radioactive core was, was released into the atmosphere and downwind. A lot of radiation was kind of pumped into the atmosphere. It was... It wasn't the best of times. Um, two Chernobyl plant workers died on the night of the accident, and a further 28 people died within a few weeks as, as a result of acute radiation poisoning. Um, I mean, I would recommend that if you want to, whilst you've got this time off during COVID-19, uh, social distancing and isolation and quarantine, I would recommend that you, you watch this TV show because it's one of the, uh, for me, my opinion, one of the, one of the most the most grounding and kind of frightening, realistically frightening TV shows that I've seen. Um, and reflecting on the, the, the events of that night, it could be argued that there were plenty of examples of flawed rationality in, in, 
in the process of decision making you know people say that we are rational agents and everything we do is rational but i completely from studying psychology completely disagree that we are completely rational and we are uh, i mean i'm just going to throw a guess at out there let's say 70 percent irrational and 30 percent rational probably that the rationality is probably much lower than that um i mean with regards to decision making it is inarguable that decision making is a fundamental and everyday human and animal activity that 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 happens every day to get from a to b you need to go to the shops oh what do i do i put my shoes on probably put my underpants on first underpants trousers socks shoes straight out the door to the bus uh cross the road here you go you got to make all of these little decisions uh things like crossing the road am i going to make it in time to get past that car things like that and if we were completely rational people would never walk out in front of cars and get hit uh just by not paying attention um however using this example because people are because because decision making is actually quite cognitively taxing it tires your brain out People naturally often rely on intuitive heuristics and biases to to make the weighing up of decisions easier. Uh, and eight times out of ten, these these shortcuts are generally quite useful, but sometimes they're not. And these models of irrational decision making are not always are not always correct. Like I said, um, and they can have severe consequ consequences, as shown with the decision making in Chernobyl. So to begin with, I just kind of want to ask the question are we rational and if you want to please get in touch with me and explain to me why you think that we are completely rational or mostly rational i'm totally excited by this and would love to have a conversation about this um the field of cognitive psychology has discovered that we have flawed rationality in process and decision making uh, and most scientists agree with herbert a simon's concept of bounded rationality um, that argues decision makers, when they make decisions, usually have limited Im information, uh, a limited capacity to process the information, and limited time to understand what decisions will yield optimal results. So the very concept of rationality would work if humans were omniscient computational machines, like something out of Black Mirror, hooked up to the, the intranet where we all are just synced in and we know we can calculate absolutely everything at the click of a Sorry, I couldn't resist that, the click of a finger. Um, and so if we were these machines, we'd be able to understand every single variable and decision in their totality before taking action. However, because we are stupid chimps that are still evolving and, and we have very old brain processes, human cognition does not process with the efficiency and the bandwidth that a modern day computer does. So I'm, I'm going to move on now and just explain uh, how heuristics and biases, what they are, really. Um, so human cognition has evolved and adopted a number of heuristic principles to reduce the complex tasks of predicting values and estimating probabilities to um, simpler judgment, ju judgmental operations, and ultimately to increase cognitive efficiency. Um, and these heuristics and biases you simply need to understand them as mental shortcuts or rules of thumb which on average tend to be useful in our day-to-day -day lives but they can lead to systematic errors um, and people are using like i just uh, as i mentioned earlier 
Herbert Simon's uh, concept of bounded rationality. They're usually used, like I said, uh, when time is limited, information is overloaded, or when issues are just not important or under uncertainty. So in short, they are used pretty much if you're like me and you're uncertain all the time in everyday life. Um, and for anyone that's interested in cognitive psychology, they will know this name, and most people will know this name actually, uh, Daniel Kahneman. He describes two systems that are at play uh, when it comes to the brain working and uh, in problem solving and decision making. So taken from Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow, we have system one that operates automatically and quickly with little or no effort and no sense of voluntary control. So with system, system one, uh, if I was trying to do some quick maths and someone asked me what two plus two is, I would be able to answer four immediately. That's the kind of the quick brain that's very quick, doesn't actually require much cognitive capacity to do it. Whereas system two, on the other hand, it allocates attention to the more effortful mental activities that demand it. So like complex computation. Uh, for example, let's say if someone asked me what 472 divided by 600 to 634 is squared, Pythagoras theorem, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, and so this part of the brain requires a lot more effort. The operations of system two are associated with the subjective experience of agency, so the capacity for an individual to act independently and to make their own free choices. And it's also associated with choice and concentration. So very much um, system one is the experiencing self, you in the present moment, and then system two is the remembering self where you look back and you reflect on things. And when we think of ourselves, we actually identify with system two, the remembering self, the conscious reasoning self that believes and makes choices and decides what to think about and what to do. And system two can be seen as the supporting character in the movie of your life. Um, its operations are they're effortful and its one main characteristic is laziness. And another point is um, yeah, its reluctance to invest more effort than is strictly necessary. And as a result, the thoughts and the actions of that System 2 believes it has chosen are often guided by the figure at the centre of the story, which is System 1, the experiencing self, the thing that drives you around, the thing that it's... So if you go to eat a chocolate bar, you'll just grab it without thinking. And it's really the second system that comes into play and goes, well, hang on, you shouldn't eat this. Lewis, you're on a diet, you need to calm down. Uh, you shouldn't do this, actually. You've already had a chocolate earlier today, but System 1's like, bam, let's eat it. Calories, let's go. And so branching out now, I'd, I'd quite like to talk about the heuristics at play and some of the quite popular ones. And any keen cognitive psychologist fan um, will be familiar with a few of these. Um, so I'll start with the availability heuristic. And the best way to describe it and understand it is um, when examples of associations are easily accessed or retrieved from memory, people usually believe events or probabilities are more likely than they actually are. So it's a cognitive shortcut that we frequently use. Um, and the, the best way, the best notion to, do, to describe this is if you can think of it, it must be important. So if something happens, if you can think of a relevant example, it must be important. And people tend to think that, um, so s say after seeing a television program on shark attacks, you start to think that these incidences are relatively common. And then when you go on holiday, 
you will end up refusing or some people will refuse to end up swimming in the ocean because you believe the probability of a shark attack is high when really if you were statistically to look at the number of shark attacks in that certain area in that country in comparison to your belief you find out that actually there are no shark attacks that have happened on on those shores at any point in the last 10 15 years or something but because you've seen something on television you're more likely to to be frightened and because you can think of it and because you remember it it must be important or another one uh seeing a new story about a high a, a set of high profile child abductions and you begin you begin to believe that this is quite common that children are being stolen left right and center across the countries and you then to begin to refuse to let your child play outside by themselves and you never ever let them leave just leave your sight which is again not healthy for the child and also if you were to look at the numbers of how many times this happens just because you've seen it on the daily mail or the sun or even the bbc i tell you what i'm not going to give daily mail and the sun all the slack today um yeah you 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 get sucked up by the availability heuristic and once again because you can think of it it must be important and finally the final point i'll pick up here is um because we see violence all over the television and the news we believe that the world is more dangerous today than it was 50 years ago but there's a great book by stephen pinker called the better angels of our nature and he completely sticks the pin in the balloon for this one and he actually shows you the numbers that the world was far more dangerous and uh there were far more terrorist incidents 50 years ago than there were today this is a a very peaceful time and it doesn't feel like that with COVID-19 and this actually is something to be worried about but that's not violence related. The world in terms of violence is significantly safer today than it was 50 years ago or at any point in history. The really interesting heuristic um, is the framing effect and this is when once you kind of notice this and you'll see it in advertising and in supermarkets with food and just in general the framing of numbers that are thrown to you um, you, you kind of wake up to it and you start to you, you just you just wake up you just wake up that's the only way I can describe it and this is a really insightful uh, method well, this is really insightful to understand how we reason. And uh, I mean, an example of this is, say if you run a business and someone were to say uh, in the board meeting, this business has a 75% chance of being profitable this year, which sounds, on, on the flip side of things, it sounds significantly better than this business has a 25% chance of not being profitable this year. And so when you frame, when you, and it seems so simple, but once you wake up to it and you go, hang on, there's something fishy going on here with what this person's trying to sell to me or say to me, you, you, you realize that 25%, whoa, that is a big loss in your business. And when you're in the supermarket as well, it's very kind of, it's obvious that a yogurt might say uh, 90% fat free. Mm. But that's actually, that actually includes 10% fat. So whilst you're walloping it down, eating it like there's no tomorrow, you're getting a load of that strawberry fix 
it that's ten percent fat. That's gonna get you fat if you if you eat the whole tub. And so these are kind of very popular day-to-day life understandings of how this works. And to wrap this up, because you can go on forever with this stuff, because there's so much of it, uh, I'm just going to sum up nicely um, just just what they are again, although I'm sure you know now. I'm sure you're well-versed on biases and heuristics. Um, so heuristics are typically used when decision-makers face complex problems uh, or incomplete information or if they're short on time that's when heuristics really come into play and in most cases they yield fairly good estimates Um, however in some situations heuristics can lead to systematic cognitive biases and less than optimal decisions and bear this in mind whilst we close this this podcast Um, there's a good book called the perils of perception by bobby duffy and he's got a few interesting points to kind of leave the podcast with and he he, he states that many of us get a lot of basic social and political facts very wrong and what we get wrong is as much about how we think as it is what we're told which means as much as we'd like to we can't merely blame the media the news social media or politicians for our mistaken beliefs Our misperceptions are often biased in particular directions because our emotional responses influence our perceptions of reality. And and so knowing this is actually really valuable. Uh, Knowing that you have misperceptions, you shouldn't ignore them. You should really try and look at why, why you have those and what they are. And understanding the real reasons why we're wrong gives us a better understanding and a better chance to shift our misperceptions individually and collectively. Um, so it's not all hopeless, um, even though we are lazy and flawed, um, you know, that there are two ways to think about this world when we get a little bit concerned that, that things are are worse than they are. And, and here's one thought that you should, well, two thoughts you should have in mind, really. The world is not as bad as we think, and it's often getting better. And we are not completely enslaved by our wrongful thinking as it sometimes seems we are and we do in fact change our minds and facts still matter in that so thank you very much for listening to this podcast and i'm hoping to get another one done um sooner rather than later you know it's it's busy got a lot of essays to do a lot of essays indeed lots of things um and hopefully the world in terms of coronavirus covid19 should be recovering uh, by the time I get the next video or sorry not video the next podcast put out so yeah you can find this podcast on uh, well you're probably listening to it on one of these but please make sure that you follow me on SoundCloud uh, Facebook Twitter Instagram uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts there we go I haven't done this in a long time (sighs) a bit rusty Uh, yeah thank you very much Arrivederci Arrivederci